Have your Bible go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. opportunity as you enter into this festive season to maybe spend some time just calling yourself back and say, okay, Lord, I know it's going to get really busy, so what am I going to call myself back to in the the midst of all this? And so as I've been thinking about this this study on Matthew, we've ended, you know, what they call uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and now he's going to transition, and Matthew's going to identify some really neat things. Matthew's going to demonstrate through his writings Jesus' miraculous power. And so as you go through these next, uh, I think it's eight and nine, if you go through eight and nine, you're going to just stop and say, oh, wow, God did this, or Jesus did this, or he healed this person, which is really, it's really neat for us to actually pause and remind ourselves of God's power. And you're going to get a chance to see through the word of God just miracles that take place. Jesus is going to step into people's lives and he's going to reach out his hand and say, okay, I want to I cure you, I want to set you free. Other times he's going to speak a word and the demon's going to be gone. Other times he's going to walk into, like you're going to see today, Peter's uh, mother-in-law. Just, just place her hand, his hand on her and her fever's gone. She gets up and she starts serving. So you're going to, I don't want you to see those things. They're, they're really kind of neat to see those things. But I want you to think about them, not just see them. I don't want you to just walk out and say, oh, wow, Jesus did this. I want you to think about, okay, the Lord did this. How's that going to affect me today? What does that look like in my world? How am I going to make that part of who I am tomorrow morning? Realizing that all of us sitting in this room, and I've said this often, we don't like to ask for help. And so there's a temptation to say, you know, even though God can help you in certain situations or God can have your back in certain situations, He's not going to force Himself on you. He's not going to make this happen. So, okay, here it is. Boom, I'm going to force you in this situation. He's going to send things to draw your heart to Him. You're going to get a chance to watch miracles uh, take place. And as I was reading about Warren Wearsby, miracles were sermons in action. Oh, Jesus just spoke some incredible things on the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, he laid out and he spoke with power. Now as he comes down from the mountain, he's not just going to speak with power. He's going to do miracles. So the people now that have heard his voice and heard him teach are now going to have to wrestle with, okay, he said this and now he does all this stuff. Who is this Jesus? First thing they're going to get a chance to see, Matthew chapter 8, is the cleansing of the leper. Look at Matthew chapter 8, first four verses. When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. So he's coming down from the mountain. He's coming down from where he just taught, Sermon on the Mount. Here's all the information. There's still crowds around him. A large number of people followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. And said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured with leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift of Moses as commanded as a testimony to them. Beginning, go back to the beginning. So he's coming down from the mountainside. The crowd is there. He meets a man with leprosy. It's interesting as you look at this passage of Scripture, in verse 2, a man with leprosy came. Just stop there. What's going on in this individual's heart? We just know it's a man with leprosy. We don't know his name. 
We don't know how bad leprosy is. Does he have fingers? Does he have toes? Is he walking on crutches? Is, is his arms now messed up because of leprosy? We don't know. I was just talking with Moni uh, Modus, and she just stopped me uh, over there, and she said, when we were missionary, we met this lady who had leprosy. She would come to our house. She would bring us firewood. Every, every week she would bring us firewood. And so one of the things that Moni would do is, this lady had no fingers and no toes. But Moni would offer her a cup for tea every time this lady came. So finally somebody in the community said, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing this. Don't give her one, this type of cup. Give her this cup so that you don't get leprosy. So as you come to this passage of Scripture, we don't know a lot of details. Man has leprosy. Where is he going? He's going to Jesus. He's working his way toward Jesus. And what's really interesting is, picture it, you've got all these people that just heard Jesus talk, give some incredible stuff, life-challenging opportunities. When he talked about that, you can go back and look over all the Sermon on the Mount. So you've got this crowd, they're all excited. Hey, here's this Jesus guy. He gave us all this information. Wait a minute, there's a man with leprosy. And the man of leprosy moves towards Jesus and he gets down on his knee. Very interesting. Don't miss the words that he says. He says, Lord. I don't know if he was saying you're the Messiah, if you're the Savior. Matthew just puts the word Lord there. Or if he's just a, just a casual greeting. I don't know. And I don't need to know. We don't need to know. But what we need to see is his, his impression towards Jesus. His words towards Jesus. Where did he hear about Jesus? Was he up on the mountain? Had he seen Jesus do any other miracles? We don't know. All we know is this guy has a physical problem called leprosy. And he's going to an individual that can meet his needs, Jesus. So as he's working his way towards Jesus, he gets down on his knee and he says these words, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look what Jesus has done. I want you to see his response. Jesus just didn't say, be healed, leprosy, gone. What does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand. He says to this guy, okay, look, I am willing to to heal you, and I will heal you, but I want to do something for the crowd to see. I want everybody to see this. I'm going to touch a leopard. I'm going to go to somebody and not just speak words. I want to identify, yes, I will receive you. I want to touch your hand. No matter what society says, no matter what people are thinking, he reaches out his hand and says, okay, here, Jesus. And the leper has an opportunity to touch our Savior. So he touches Jesus' hand. And Jesus says this, I am willing. Be clean. See this. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. And then Jesus said, look, I'm going to cure you of your leprosy. I want this crowd to see it. But I don't want you to go write a book. I don't want you to go build a building. This is not about popularity of Jesus. Matthew makes this very clear. as He puts this together. This is not, hey, look at me. I'm going to sell healing cloths. I'm going to have a healing service. it's, It's more than healings for Jesus. It's about the personal relationship with Jesus. Not about just, okay, you're healed, go on with your life. So he reaches out his hand to this guy. And he says, I want to identify with you, you are healed. But don't go tell anyone. Now just pause for a second. As I was reading through this this week, and I hadn't thought about this before, and I was sitting in the office just reading and thinking and reading and thinking. Here's a question. Did Jesus really do this miracle for the man or for the priest? 
and I don't have an answer. He did it for everyone. But what's interesting to me is, Jesus says, I want you to go to the priest and show him yourself. Now, how long had this man had leprosy? Don't know. Did the priest know this guy very well? Don't know. So I know I'm throwing a lot of don't knows at you, but I want you to think with me in your imagination, okay? Just think about this. You have a priest that knows what? The Word of God. And if anybody could have, been, could have been or should have been or praying for this leprosy guy, it should have been the priest. God, do something in this because he's separated. He's alienated. He can't be part of what we're doing. He's living over there because of his leprosy. Lord, heal the guy so he can come back to the synagogue. Lord, heal the guy so he can come back and study the word of God together. But I don't know if that's what the priest did or didn't do. What, I get, what I'm just saying to you is, what was his, the priest's response when this guy shows up? Had the priest ever seen anybody ever healed of leprosy? And so you have this guy now that's been healed. He's going to go, if he goes back to the priest, and you read in the other Gospels, you see that, and you go read in the other Gospels, he goes and tells everybody what happened. Okay? But maybe, maybe this is just a thought you need to think about. There are times in our lives that we lose faith. And then God needs to step in and say, okay, boom, here it is. I'm going to demonstrate my power for you. Priest, I'm going to demonstrate my power for you. You know all about me. You should be up in the morning seeking my face. And maybe the priest was and maybe he wasn't. I don't know. All I know is the priest is now going to have to stop and say, wait a minute. Who is this Jesus guy? Because we've known about this guy. We've known he's had leprosy. Now all of a sudden he shows up. Hey, I'm clean. I want to offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded. That's what I want to do. I'm clean now. This morning as you gathered as a family... There's a temptation to just read through this passage of Scripture, and I want you to be in awe with God's power to heal the leper. Okay, I want you to see that. But I want you to see something different. I want you to see that Jesus has the power to heal, and I also want you to come to the realization that the forgiveness of sin is only found in Jesus. When you read through this, you don't think about sin. When you read through this, you're just like, oh, well, this is is kind of where it's going. But I think, as I've been thinking... Sometimes that gets scary because my mind goes in a lot of different places. I have a question for you. Who are you reaching your hand up? Who are you giving up on? Who's the individual that God's going to place in your life? Obviously, in our society, it's not going to be leprosy. I mean, we're not going to go anywhere in Highlands County that I know and find somebody that has leprosy. Right? But there are going to be people that we would say, oh no, they should be shouting unclean. No, they don't deserve to be in a church. Oh no, they're just a mess. Where Jesus would come down with a crowd and say, hey, I want a relationship with you. Here's my hand. I want to set you free. Oh, I'm not going to heal you of leprosy because you don't have that problem. But I want to set you free so you have forgiveness of sin. And then I want to work in a process of transforming your life. I don't do this often, but I want to do it this morning. I'm going to play a song for you. One of my favorite groups over the years, and we would show you a video, but we're having problems with our computer sound, and it just makes it really sound bad. I'm going to play, play a song for you called Casting Crown Song. And just this, this is what you'll, you'll hear it, but we are the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Then why aren't we reaching? 
then why aren't people being healed for the forgiveness of their sins? Then why aren't people's lives radically changed because of the gospel infiltrated their lives? Say, oh, wow, I'm free now. Listen to the words of this song.
is he the way? Is he really that important to us? And who are we going to reach out? Because I think if you you can, you can write these verses down, but I'm I'm pretty sure you already you know them. Second Peter chapter three. If you take your Bible and go to Second Peter chapter three, I'm not going to read you anything that's not uh, new this morning. Second Peter chapter three says this: The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting that anyone, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Take your Bible and go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2, you read these words, Paul's words to Timothy, talking about praying for those who are in authority over him. Read in verse 3, it says this, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man. That man is Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. That's what he came for. And then you finish out that, if you go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you read these words, You will be my witnesses. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have power to be a witness. So this morning, as you sitting with us here in Bible Fellowship as a family, I do want you to see the cleansing of the leopard. I want you to see God's power through Jesus to step in, to a crowd, but he just didn't demonstrate it with his words. He said, okay, I want to identify with this individual, and I want this person to be clean. The next thing that I want you to see is the centurion and the servant that, he, that God helped. Look at verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Stop there. Once you get a chance to see this centurion soldier, and I know that you've probably read through this passage of scripture, you've thought about this centurion who's probably got somewhere around 100 people that he's in charge of, and you've probably thought about the faith of the centurion, but I thought was really interesting this morning, as you think about this passage of scripture, when was the last time you ever asked, saw a soldier or someone of power ask for help? This is a situation that the centurion soldier can't fix. He can't make his servant well. So what's fascinating is this man who's in charge, who's a leader, and you, you've read it, you know that he's going to say, yeah, I can tell this one to go, and I can tell this one to come. I can give them this order, you need to do this, and they're going to do it. But the person in charge that Matthew wants you to see this morning, to come face to face with the reality is this. The centurion made a decision to ask the Lord for help. And it's interesting to me that Matthew uses the same word, Lord. I don't know, again, I don't know if, if this centurion says, Yep, Jesus, I'm a follower. I'm in love with you. You're my Messiah. I don't know. You're my Savior. I don't know. Matthew doesn't give us that. But what we get a chance to see in this picture is when the centurion came to Jesus, he said, Lord, my servant is in terrible suffering. Will you help? He's asking him for help. And so this morning as you sit with this, this passage of Scripture, you have this centurion, and I don't know if the centurion had a reason 
Or if he just said, you know what, I've heard about this Jesus guy. And I have somebody that's suffering. So I'm going to go find this guy. And I'm going to say, Lord, if you can do something, I'm going to ask you for help. I'm going to ask you to help my servant. You know what's interesting? Maybe he asked this, but Matthew doesn't record this. But you would have thought the centurion would say, you know what, Jesus, I really want to move up this political ladder here. And I don't want to just be in charge of 100. I don't want to just want to be in charge of 500. I don't want to be in charge. I, just, I want to move up. So, Lord, I'm coming to ask you for help to move me up the ladder because I want to be the big cheese. I want it to be all about me. I want more people at my service. He doesn't do that. He pauses his world and he goes to Jesus and said, listen, my servant lies at home paralyzed. Will you help? And Jesus says, you know what? I'll help. Jesus answered him. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve you to come to my, under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, soldiers under me, and I tell this one to go and he goes, and I tell that one to come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Interesting that the centurion understands faith and authority interesting to me. This centurion just didn't show up and say, yeah, I've got authority and I, and I want you to do this. He comes to Jesus and he understands authority and he understands faith. He says, you know what? I want to enter into your world, Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question and I know you have the power to answer me. Will you heal my servant? Jesus said, yeah, I'd love to come to your house. He said, no, sir. You don't have to come to my house. Just say the words. Just say it and he'll be healed. Now, sometimes you have to pause and just get a big smile on your face as you read your Bible. And this is my pause and a huge smile on my face as I read this next, this next chunk. Check it out. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Just pause there. The people that are around him, they don't have the faith. Yet, these are the ones that we would classify as church people. We would classify them, oh yeah, we love Jesus. Oh yeah, just ask us on Sunday morning. We'd be more than happy to tell you. That's why we're here. I really love Jesus. But you have faith in him. And the ones that were standing around Jesus on that day, I don't know how many were there. All we know is he's come down from the mountain. There's large crowds that are following him. He heals the leopard. How many keep on following? How many run up and say, whoa, check out, he healed a leper. Let's go see what he's going to do with leprosy. Let's go heal, see what he's going to do next. And the crowd might have got bigger and bigger. But whoever's in the crowd, Jesus wanted these people to hear these words. I find faith in the centurion, not you. Not the ones that should have known me. I don't find faith there. I find it in the centurion, the Gentile. And then he's going to read on, he's going to say some other things. And he's going to say to these individuals that are standing there with him, those of them that thought they were going to be at this marriage feast, those who thought they were going to sit with Jesus at this table, banquet table, he's going to say to them, you know what? Those of you who think you deserve this, you will not be with me. Those who have faith like the centurion will be with me. And you can read on and see it. I mean, just read down and see what he says. I say to you, those, that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom 
but the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done as you have believed. And that very hour, the servant was healed. Those of you that are standing here that think you're going to be sitting with me at the banquet table, you won't. So, you look at this passage of Scripture. Here's, here's another just thought for you to think about. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 this afternoon and put it next to this passage of Scripture. It's a great picture, or illustration, or word picture, however you want to put this together in your mind. But the Gentile represents us, too. This Roman, this, this centurion. Just remember, in Ephesians chapter 2, we were once what? Aliens. And God brought us into his family. So, just think about that this afternoon. But I want you to think about this. This is maybe a way you can apply it to your life. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Because there's going to be different situations where you're going to say, Okay, Lord, I need, I need your help. And you're going to have to have enough courage to come to him and say, Okay, Lord... How, if you want to kneel before him, if you want to call him, Lord, you're going to say, listen, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to place all this on you because I can't do this. Well, there's going to come a time where you're going to be the one that's in charge. You're going to say, hey, we need to go here. We need to do this. We're going to need this. Will you pause and say, okay, wait, Lord, I have faith in you. I want to be like the centurion. I understand authority. I can tell people to go here, there, wherever. Because that's not what I want. I want to have faith. Just because you might be the number one person or you might think that you're in charge, be very careful because what we've been called to do is be servants. We've got lots of people who like to tell people what to do. We have very few servants. We've got a lot of chiefs. We have very few Indians. Just play that out practically in your life. Are you one of those people always telling people what to do? Are you the one that says, oh, you know what, I don't mind taking out the trash? or I'll pick up that, or I'll do this. Are you a servant? And this is where it gets really maybe more of a gut check. Because if you think you deserve Christianity, you think you deserve church, you might not be at the banquet table. So just pause this morning. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus by faith? Do you trust him? Because there's going to be times in your life that you're going to say, you know what, Lord, this is what, this is what I deserve. And now you're going to look at Matthew chapter 8. You're looking at the centurion that's coming to the Lord, saying, Lord, I need you. I can't help this servant. I need you. And what does he tell the people that are around him, the church people? Hey, uh, you think you deserve this? You're not going to be with me forever. You're only going to get to him forever, eternity, in heaven, at the banquet table, one way, through a cross, thank Jesus Christ. He grafted you in. He allowed us to once be aliens, now to be sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Think your way through that this morning. So this morning as you're here as, as this, and there's, you, know, you get a chance to, to think some things, ask for help, not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong. It's interesting. How's your faith? Last thing that I want you to see, Matthew chapter 8 is verse 14. 
when Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law. So you get a chance to know a fun fact that Peter was married. His mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and, and the fever left. She got up and began to wait on him. Any of you ever had a fever before? Anybody ever walk into your room and just touch your hand and you got up and served? Pretty interesting, isn't it? When the Messiah walks into the room, he just places his hand on her and says, Bam, it's over, it's done, fever's gone. And that's pretty exciting, but I love the next part of this verse. You read these things. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out spirits with a word. Matthew wants that to be very clear. A word. And healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and he carried our diseases. Now picture it. Jesus shows up. He places his hand on his mother-in-law's hand and she's healed. Fever's gone. So the word gets out. I'm assuming how it happened so fast, I don't know. But people are going to show up. So I want to just pause just a second and talk about demon possession. All right? When you're reading Matthew chapter 8, you need to remind yourself that the Holy Spirit did not enter this earth until after the resurrection of Christ. So, thoughts, okay? Now just think with me. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? I don't believe so. I think a Christian can be demon-oppressed, but not possessed. Okay? So, what you have now with Jesus and these people, and I want you to see this very clearly, okay? Jesus speaks a word, and the demons leave. You see that? It's not a big service. It's not a lot of hoopla. Nobody's falling over. Nobody's flopping on the floor. It's just the word. Gone. Boom. Demon's gone. Another thing that you need to see very clearly, when he heals the sick, he heals how many of them? All. Very important. Especially in our society. You know, write me a check for $100, I'll pray over the cloth and send it to you. I, I don't see that anywhere. Now, do I believe Jesus can miraculously heal somebody today? Yes. If God chooses to say, you know what, I want this person to be healed of cancer and he wants cancer to be gone from their body, he can take it away. I have full confidence in that. And there are lots of times that we'll gather and pray over people. Say, God, please, would you heal this person? If it's part of your plan, it would be honored to your name. If it's part of the gospel and want to represent the gospel, go for it. We, we, we believe it. No problem. Sometimes God takes his people home. What I want you to see in this passage of Scripture is that who was there? Don't know names, don't know numbers. But whoever was there was demon-possessed. Their life was radically changed after they met with Jesus. How many men, how many women, how many children were there and Jesus spoke a word and their life would never be the same again? Homes were changed right here for eternity. Oh yeah, Peter's mother-in-law was healed and the fever was gone and she got up and served. That's incredible. But homes were radically changed because Jesus stepped into that home. Not only did he place the hand on the mother-in-law, he spoke the word. Demon, you're gone. 
How many dads went home for the first time and hugged their son or their daughter without being demon-possessed? I don't know. How many moms went home that night, wrapped their arms around their little people and said, you know what? Satan no longer has control of me because Jesus cast them out. Boom! And I can't wait to get to heaven. Say, could you lead me to some of the people that were there in Matthew chapter 8? I want to see the family. I want to see the lineage of how many thousands or hundreds of thousands have said yes to Jesus because he sent the demon away. Who knows? I don't know. But as you sit here today, just know he can set your family free. Gone. Boom. Those that are, that are, whatever the struggle is. Now, I believe believers can be oppressed. Anger, bitterness, rage, failure. Those are all things that, we, that are in our past. We, I'm not a name it, claim it person. You know me pretty well. But I have watched over the years, God radically change people from the inside out. And I'm one of those. You've heard me tell this story, but I'll tell it again. We moved into our house, and I don't remember how old our kids were at this point. All I remember is Seth did something, and he ran into his room, and he locked the door. And I was hot. And so I walked over to the door, and you know, inside doors aren't very structurally sound. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to knock the snot out of this door. I'm going to knock it in. And then I paused, because this thought came to my mind. If you break your hand, what are you going to tell the church people? Okay? So you know what I did? I walked away from his door. I went into my room. I said, okay, God, I need your help now. I want to know why I'm angry. I want to know where it comes from. Holy Spirit, I want you to show me now. Now, there was no TV screen, and there was no music, and there was no words but I'll never forget this day. It's like the Holy Spirit said, boom. This is where your anger comes. But I allowed this to happen to you so you would love people. And I stepped back. I said, all right, Lord. There's only one person who changed me, and that's you, Holy Spirit. I cannot do this. And I don't know how much longer it was after that. But Susan came to me one day and she said, you know, I never told you this story, but Rachel came to me one day and she said, you know, why is dad always mad? Hmm. That home will never be the same again. Because of the miracle work of God that I serve. Some of you need to let, do, let the Holy Spirit do some homework business in your home. Okay, Holy Spirit, here it is. And I'm not saying there's going to be a lot of people that were saved because of me, okay? But if it's worth one, it's worth one for me. And I don't know how many thousands or hundred thousands or ten thousands or five thousand. I don't know the numbers. Numbers don't matter. What matters is people left. Peter's mother-in-law's home radically different some were healed from sickness some were healed from demon possession and their lives would never be the same so this morning you got three things in front of you you have the healing of the leper jesus set him free 
You have the centurion servant that was healed. You have Peter's mother-in-law and the household that was changed. Are you reaching? I don't care about their background. I don't care where they live. I don't care what their disease is. Jesus has called us to be reaching. Reach out your hand. About your faith. All right, Lord, I'm just, I'm just going to trust. Lord, I'm going to come to you. And I don't know when this has been for you, but when was the last time that you flat out honestly said, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this anymore. Be honest with yourself. Don't play games. Because if you play games, the people that are around you are affected. I don't care what title you have. Titles mean nothing to me. It's just a man-made thing to give somebody significance. It's just like the little short guy. He never can win the game. You know, he just tries harder and harder and harder and harder. Well, if I just win the game, I'll be important. Your title means nothing. But will you ask for help? Which house will be healed because of you? How many generations will affect you because you'll say, okay, Lord, here it is. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word. And thank you for allowing Matthew's hand to write out specific things for us. And may we never, ever be get over the awe of the power of who you are as our God, as our Father. I don't know if you realize this morning, but if Jesus is your Savior, your Father has the power to heal leprosy. Father has the power to heal physical diseases. Will you ask Him? Father has the power to set your heart free. Will you ask Him? Holy Spirit, you know every home that's represented here. And you know what you need to do. my cry out to you this morning will be give the permission to the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Allow the word of God to be authoritative in your life. Open your heart to the truth. Say, okay, Lord, I see you. The Holy Spirit, would you change us from the inside out? Father, thank you for allowing us to sit with the word of God this morning. Now will you take the word of God and make it who we are in our actions. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.